Why don't I start? Huh? The simplest way to put it? I have problems. Uh, I worry about diseases, so uh, I have trouble touching things. Uh, in public places, it's, it's uh, almost impossible. I have a real big problem moving. Talk about moving. As long as I'm in my apartment, I'm okay. But when I want to go out, I get weird. Talk about weird. Talk about weird. Well, I get dizzy spells, nausea, cold sweats, hot sweats, fever, blisters, difficulty breathing, difficulty swallowing, blurred vision, involuntary trembling, dead hands, numb lips, fingernail sensitivity, pelvic discomfort. So the real question is, what is the crisis, Bob? What is it that you are truly afraid of? What if my heart stops beating? What if I'm looking for a bathroom, I can't find it, and my bladder explodes. percent of the things we worry about never happen. Thirty percent of the things we worry about are things from the past that can't be changed. Twelve percent of the things we worry about, it's about criticism by others, which is mostly untrue. Ten percent of the things we worry about comes from issues of our health, which gets worse when we worry. And eight percent of what we worry about is about real problems that we're going to face. There isn't one thing in your life that's ever been changed because you worried. Nothing. There's nothing that you thought, if I hadn't worried about that, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have happened. If I hadn't have just worried and, and played it over and over in my mind, worry is not natural. Worry is something that you learn. Chances are, if you are a worrier, your mom or dad were worriers. And maybe, maybe they came from a long line of worriers way, way back for generations. Maybe your family has been a family of worriers. Worrying is something that you have to learn. So if you can learn to worry, you can unlearn worry as well. But unfortunately... In many people's lives, worry is typical. The Bible has a lot to say about this thing called worry. I'm in the third week of a series called Don't Be Typical. And I've been talking about how Jesus calls 
us, how Jesus has always called people to stop being typical and think in a new way. Later on in the New Testament, after Jesus talked about worry, but later on in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul had this to say about thinking in a new way. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Wouldn't you like to be able to recognize God's will in your life? When you're faced with a major decision, something big in your life, to know that's what God wants me to do. Who wouldn't want to know that? Well, this verse tells us clearly if we want to get to that part in our life where we can look and say, that's God's will. That's what he wants me to do. If we want to get there, it's going to involve a change. It's going to involve us changing the way we think. Breaking out of the typical in your life is going to involve a change. Now, if you don't ever want to be anywhere else in your life, if you're, if you're just happy right where things are and you don't want things to get better, you don't want your relationships to get better, you don't want your marriage to get better, you don't want to be better at parenting, you don't want to be a better employee, if, if, if you don't want things to get better physically or emotionally, then just you don't have to change. But if you long for something more, if you think... Life has got to mean more than this. If you think my relationships can be deeper, I can look better physically, I can be better emotionally and relationally, then you're going to have to change. Staying comfortable and changing don't mix. If you want to change, you have to get outside your comfort zone. And in Jesus' teaching, he's constantly calling us to get outside of our comfort zone and change. In the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, first book in the New Testament, in chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is telling this crowd of people some things they need to change in their thinking. He says things like, you've heard this and you've thought this, but let me tell you a better way to think, a better way to believe, a better way to live. You've always thought this, but Jesus says, I'm going to tell you something new. What he's telling them is, and what he's telling us is, the way you're looking at things isn't working. The way you're living isn't cutting it. Let me tell you what I have to say. He says, your typical way of seeing things is like this. You think it's okay because everything on the outside just happens to look okay. You, you've got your list, you've followed the rules, and so you think everything on the outside is okay, so everything must be okay. And Jesus is trying to communicate to these people and to us, I want your heart. I want you to change from the inside. Because what's in my heart and what's in my mind leads to action. That's why it's important It's important to pay attention to what you think, important to pay attention to how you feel, because all of those things will eventually lead to action. That's why Jesus said, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. Jesus says, value what I value. And when we only think externally and not internally, We start looking to find our comfort in temporary material things, so that leads to worry. It leads to us 
being anxious about the future. And worry is just, it's just taking something and thinking about it over and over and over again. It, it literally means to, to be anxious, to, to think excessively about something. The way you can tell if you're worrying or not is how many statements in your life start out with these two words, what if? What if this happens? What if I lose my job? What if my car quits? What if I get dumped? What if I don't make enough money? What if I don't get to move where I want to move? What if, what if? If a lot of statements in your life start with what if, you might be a worrier. And Jesus is saying, if you change the way you think, because worry is in the mind. Everything we worry about is in our mind. So if you let God transform the way you think, it's going to transform the way you think about the future. Because most of the time, worry has to do with the future. So if you're a worrier, tell yourself this. If I'm ever going to stop worrying, I've got to change the way I think. If I'm ever going to stop doing that, I've got to think in a new way and, and stop thinking, well, what if this happens? And, and stop leaving conversations thinking, did I say the right thing? Did it sound right? Did I look right? Did I sit right? Was my body language in the right place? I mean, just stop worrying and being anxious about all of those things. Because when you do that all the time, you end up with a life that doesn't have a lot of peace in it. If you don't hear anything else I say today, listen to this. Because this will bring peace to your life, and it'll change the way you think. And here it is. Trusting God with tomorrow gives me peace today. Living that, internalizing that statement... It will make me better at what I do. It'll make me a better employee. It'll make me a better father, a better husband. It'll, it'll make me a better follower of Christ. It'll make me better at a lot of things. If I trust God with tomorrow, I'll have more peace today. If I internalize that statement, it'll change the way I make decisions. It'll change the way I look at life. Jesus had a lot to say about worry. And in the passage I'm getting ready to read in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus had just finished talking about what I talked about last week, about where you put your treasure. He, he said, don't, put your, don't store up treasures on earth, but store up treasures in heaven. And last week I talked about how the storing up treasures on earth just means valuing things too much. It doesn't matter how much you have. There's not a certain income where someone becomes materialistic. There's not a certain car you can purchase that would make you materialistic. It, it doesn't have anything to do with what you own. Being materialistic has to do with what owns you. So Jesus says, don't allow things to own you. Store up treasures in heaven. How do you do that? Well, you value the things that God values. Because whatever I value, my heart follows it. In Matthew 6, verse 5, Jesus says this, That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than they? Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's, think, he's saying, you're thinking about the physical, and, and I'm trying to get you to see that you're more than just 
a physical body, that there's more to life than just this 78, whatever, 78 to 90 years that, that people can live. There, there's so much more to that. Now, if that's all there was, if it were just the time here on earth, it, it would make perfect sense to only worry about now. It would make perfect sense to focus on those kind of things and to make sure you got all you could get because this is it and there's nothing more. But what he's trying to get people to understand is that we are more than just physical beings. We're spiritual beings. Jesus says you're far more than physical bodies because he made us. God breathed life into us and he... He wants us to get past just thinking about the physical. So he's saying, why do you worry? God's got those things under control. Then he says, worrying doesn't do you any good anyway. You can't add anything to your life because you worry. If we could bring somebody on stage that was 100 years old, Somehow they made it to 100 years old, and we brought them here, and we interviewed them, and I asked them all these questions about how cool was it to be back then and all the things you've seen in the last 100 years. Wouldn't that be really cool to hear from somebody who lived to be 100 years old? My first question would be, because I would, I would like to make it to 100. I think that would be pretty interesting to see that much of life. My question would be, how did you get there? What did you do? What was your daily routine? How did you get your body to last 100 years. I mean, mine's 40 and I've got some doubts. I mean, so, so I'm asking them, how did you make it to 100? I don't think they would say, I worried my way here. I, I began worrying at five years old and I worried my way through elementary school. And I, in my teenage years, oh, those were worry years. And then I got into my 20s and I got married and had kids. And I worried my way all the way into my 50s and into retirement. And then I worried about my grandchildren. And then before I knew it, I was 80. And I've been worrying the last 20 years. And if I hadn't worried, I wouldn't have made it 100 years. Their life is not one second longer because they worried. In fact, worry has such a negative effect physically. I doubt anybody that makes it to 100 worries much about anything, or did they ever? Because worry messes us up physically so much. Worry is nothing more than wanting to see the future. It's wanting to know what's coming in the future. It's wanting to see what's up around the corner, and it doesn't take long in life to realize we can't do that. And when you constantly live trying to do that, it leads to nothing but a life that's full of just being anxious about everything. What Jesus said when he said, I tell you not to worry about everyday life. The New Testament was originally, all those books were written in Greek, and then they were translated and then translated again down to what we have today in English. So there's, there's a couple different ways this could be said and still mean the same thing. This could just as easily been translated like this. Jesus could have just easily have said, that's why I tell you not to think too much about life. What he's saying is, don't, don't think too much. This is not it. There's more after this, and you're just caught up in thinking about this short time span when what comes after this is much longer than this. So spend some time thinking about what's next. Spend some time thinking a little deeper than just the physical because there's so much more to you than just your physical well-being and your physical body. What a tragedy to get to the end of life. And realized you lived it all anxious 
and all worrying about the future that you had no control over. The bottom line and what Jesus is saying here in these few verses is this. Trust me with the future. You're worried about this day-to-day stuff that, that I've got under control, that I can handle. He's saying, if you want peace today, if you want to enjoy life today, if you want to have deeper relationships today, then let me worry about tomorrow. Because worrying, being anxious, affects all of those things every day. He's saying your life is so much more than what you allow yourself to be uptight about. So trusting God with my future gives me peace today. Trusting God with tomorrow gives me peace today. You know, worry really is learned. It's not something people naturally do. I had a little survey around my house, pulled my nine-year-old into her bedroom, sat with her on the bed, and I said, Abby, I have a few questions for you. Do you ever worry if dad's going to make the mortgage payment? She looked at me and she said, uh, what's a mortgage? <laughs> so, so I explained what a mortgage was, and turns out, no, she doesn't worry about that. Then, then I asked her, do you ever worry if I'm going to pay the power bill? And she looked at me again, and she's like, What's a power bill? So I spent a few minutes explaining what a power bill was, and I'm sure in her little brain she's thinking, is this something I need to be worried about? Because, you know, Dad's coming in here asking me about mortgages and power bills, never heard about it. I said, I said, where, how do you know you're going to get food? Well, Mommy buys it. I was wondering to say Daddy, and I said, okay, who, who gets the food? Mommy. Uh, okay, who, where, where's the money come from? God. I said, okay. Finally, I got her to say, Dad. Finally, I got her to say, who has a job? And it was finally, okay, Dad. But wouldn't it be odd, wouldn't it be odd if my daughter came in, my fourth grade daughter, and said, Dad, have you paid, have you paid the payment on the house this month? And I saw that bill up there on the desk about the insurance. It's a month overdue. Are you going to take care of that? Because Mom and I were driving to school, and I was worried she was going to crash, and and, and, Dad, what about, the, what about the utilities? Are you taking care of that? Are you even planning for my college? If she were to come in and be worried about all of those things, I would sit her down, I would look into her eyes, and I would say, Honey, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Dad's got that covered. You never have to worry about if, if the lights are going to come on when you flip the switch. You never have to worry about somebody coming and saying, You've got to move out of your house. You never have to worry about being hungry, not having food to eat, because mom and dad's got that covered. So you enjoy being a nine-year-old. If she were to come to me worrying, that's what I would say to her. That's the same thing God says to us when we say, I'm worried about it. I just don't know how, how this job thing's going to turn out. I just don't know how this relationship is going to turn out. I just don't know if I'm going to have enough money for this. I'm just, I'm just worried, worried, worried. What if this happens? What if that happens? And God said, would you stop worrying about that and just be what I created you to be? I got all that covered. Jesus even says, look at the birds. I take care of them. You're more valuable than a bird. I've yet to see a bird just flying along, run out of gas, and fall to the ground. (laughs) He looks at us just like we would look at our kids and say, oh, honey, don't worry. That's not your problem. That's mine. And that's what God says to us. So how many things are going on in your life today that you're worrying about, that you're anxious about, that you're looking into the future and thinking, oh, what if, what if, what if, what if? 
that you need to let God sit you down and say, hey, I got that covered. That, that's okay. You can't control it anyway. So I've, I've got it covered. That's how God wants us to feel when we start to worry about things. You can plan for the future, and you should plan for the future, but ultimately you can't control it. So if you make plans, you better be flexible. If you make plans, you better plan for, if you have to plan everything, then in your planning column, if you're one of those people that writes it all down, when you write all those down, write flexibility in there. Plan for the flexibility. Plan for the spontaneity. I mean, do it. Just make sure there's some flexibility in your plans. When I think about the next 5 years, 10 years, 15, 20 years of my life or this church, I have plans. I have a direction I'd like to see things go and a, and a path I would like to see my life and our, our church and my family. I have a, a, whole, a path I would like to see that go down. But I've learned that I better have some flexibility because I've had plans before that I thought, hey, God, look at this plan. Isn't this awesome? This is what I'm going to do for the next 10 years. What do you think of that, God? When I've tried to do that without flexibility, life gets painful really fast. But when I make those plans with flexibility, and I look into the past and think, well, I made plans back there. I just think of the last three or four years of my life thinking, if I had not had flexibility in my plans, life would not have been any fun. And the thing about God's plans when I finally saw, oh, here's his plan. Here's what he wants me to do. When I saw that, that was a way better plan than I could have ever come up with. Because it was his. It wasn't something I just sat and tried to figure out. People who are not flexible don't enjoy life. Think about, does anybody live with somebody that's not flexible? You don't have to show you. Like, hey, right here. I, I didn't mean for you to show, show your hands. Wow, my wife did not raise her hands, did she? No, I don't think so. You, you, have, to be, you have to be flexible. You, you have to be flexible because something might hit you between the eyes you never expected. All you have to do is ask somebody who's had a plan then walk into the doctor's office and got some news that wasn't any good at all. All you have to do is ask somebody who got a phone call about a tragedy. Ask them about flexibility. Ask them about how life can take a turn that you never thought possible. You know, people people who aren't flexible, it's amusing to me. People tell me I'm flexible. So but, but I get a little bit amused at people when, when they're not flexible. I like to mess with them, you know. I like to just, just make them think a little bit. My my older brother is not flexible. He he's like in a box. Toe the line, you know, right down the middle. Don't, don't mess with my plan. I've got my plan. Don't mess with it. I, I used to call him up when we lived at home. He, he, he was already married now, and I would call and say, hey, let's go to the beach. It was 10 hours. You know, it'd be like 7 in the morning. Come on, get, I'll be right and get you. We'll go. You can't just get up and go to the beach. I said, why not? You're not working today. I don't have anything to do. Let's go. And it would just freak him out. He'd come out of my college apartment and spend the night, and I, would, I literally would do this 3 o'clock in the morning. Hey, get up get up. What? Let's go get some pancakes. And he'd be like, it's three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I know an all night place we can go. Let's come on. I'm hungry. Let's go. And it would just, it would just mess with his world. 
obviously, I got all the spontaneous genes in the family. But it's fun to, to mess with people. And people who might work with me that might think I'm spontaneous, and they know he does like to mess with people who are not spontaneous, they're not real flexible. Being anxious, worrying, thinking over and over about something that might happen, that might not happen, doesn't produce anything constructive. If you've committed yourself to the ministry of worrying and said, God, I'm going to be good at this. This is one thing I can do. I can worry, and I'm going to be good at it, and I'm going to do it every day, and I'm going to teach others how to worry. I'm going to get to know people, and I'm going to get in a small group, and I'm going to teach them how to worry too because that's my ministry is worry. You know what? You would never hear a counselor ever say these words. You know, if you would just worry about this a little bit more, maybe five full days, 24 hours around the clock worrying, it might get better. This might get resolved if you worry about it just a little bit more. You never hear a counselor or an advisor say that. When I was telling Cinda, my wife, what I was going to talk about today, and I told her about this big thought idea, and I'd like for everybody to leave remembering this big thought. Trusting God with tomorrow gives me peace today. And I was just eloquently telling her what I was going to say. And, and, I, and there was just a little bit of silence. And she said, you know, like, are you going to take notes? <laughs> are you going to listen? Are you going to practice what you preach? And I was like, gosh, you know, I, I do worry. And it's easy for me to stand and tell you not to worry. But I literally sat down and started to write down the things that I worry about and thought, oh my goodness, I know why I need to say this. I know why I need to tell you to trust God with your future. I know why I need to tell you to trust Him with tomorrow because I need to hear that. Because there are things that I worry about. And when I read back through my list, I thought, wow, that's, that's too many things. Now, sometimes I trust God with tomorrow and just go, and I don't worry about anything, and I just say, God, you've got this completely under control. It's all yours, but sometimes I don't, and I worry. Not long ago, just in the recent past, I called up one of my spiritual mentors, and he he lives in another state, and I called him up to tell him about some things I was overly concerned about, really worried about, really anxious about. So after about 15 minutes on the phone of me not taking a breath and him listening, and I'm ready for these words of wisdom that he always gives me this great advice, and and so I went on and on about, well, what should I do here, and how should I handle that, and you're not going to believe what's going to happen, and I'm going to fix that, and and I was just going on and on and on. And I said, well, what should I do? He said, well, Donnie, you got two options. You need to change or find a bridge and jump. I was like, okay, scratch that. Call my number two spiritual counselor, you know, my mentor here, and, and see what he has to say. I changed. The question you need to ask yourself is this. Do I really trust God with the future? Do I have it in my mind to hand it completely over to him? When I do that, It will give me peace today. Now, that doesn't mean my life will be trouble-free because everybody's life has trouble in it. Bad things are going to happen to everybody. That's just the way life is. But trusting God with tomorrow will bring you peace today. And when those troubles do come, when a a bad report comes, when a bad phone call comes, when, when something you'd never anticipated happens... God will give you the strength to deal with whatever it is in your life that came into your life you hadn't anticipated. 
So trusting him with the future is really the only option. Because he, he knows more about the future than we do. And then when, when and if something does happen in our life we didn't anticipate that's bad, then he's going to give us the strength we need to deal with it. Trusting God never ends in disappointment. As I've dwelt on things that I have no ability to change, I've thought, how can I stop doing that? Because I already know it doesn't produce any results. I already know it only has a negative effect. So how can I stop doing it? Well, not too long ago, after that phone call where I was encouraged to, you know, jump or change, I began to write down some things in my life where it was unmistakable, no doubt about it, that God was faithful. And then I have this list that I have in my top desk drawer, and I just write down where and when in my life God was faithful. Some of it's recent, some of it's a long time ago. Here's, here's some of the things that I've written down. Top of this list, it says God's faithfulness. Our oldest daughter was born healthy. My wife's health concern turned out to be no big deal. Cinda and Abby, our youngest daughter, both are healthy after an emergency C-section. God gave me the strength to deal with a major disappointment in my life. God kept me safe while I did something physically stupid. I just did that this morning. <laughs> Someday I'll tell you about the concussion, but I'm not, I'm not over it enough yet to tell you. I prayed a mountain-moving prayer, and the mountain moved. God gave me the strength to deal with disappointments in ministry. God gave me the strength to deal with disappointments in my friends. When I thought things were ending, God showed me it was just the beginning. When I felt all alone in my ministry, God sent me a a group of people to work with that are my true friends. I look back over the last several years of my life, that's how God has been faithful. And as I looked over this, I figured something out. God's faithfulness in the past can give me the confidence to trust Him in the future. When I look at how He's been so faithful in the past, all of a sudden, the confidence to trust Him with tomorrow rises in my life because He does deliver. He does offer strength. He does have an answer for my worries. God's past faithfulness should give me the confidence to trust Him with the future. So when you're looking on whatever you wrote down or thinking about however God was faithful in the past, don't forget that. Remember that. Remember that as you're challenged to trust God with tomorrow so you can have peace today. Remember that when you're running the worry tapes over and over and over in your mind and you're beginning all of your thoughts with what if. Remember that when you're faced with something that you had no idea it was coming into your life. Remember that when you get bad news or find out your job's ending or 
find out you've lost a friend. Remember that when you're anxious and uptight and just feel tight inside about the future. Remember Jesus saying, don't think too much about this life. Don't worry. You enjoy and have peace today. And I've got tomorrow covered. Can you add one moment to your life by worrying? Trusting God with tomorrow will give me peace today. May you live that this week and every day of your life.